Sometime we all had or have a mother. We may not all have been blessed with a mother who was a good role model, but if we have been, we should thank God for her. And even if we don't have happy memories of our mother, and we know that that can be the case, or perhaps we don't have any memories of the mother who gave birth to us, we can still try to understand her and her situation. And we can certainly strive to do better in our turn. And of course, as Stia said, some of us have never been mothers in the physical sense. But we can all give a motherly helping hand to our church family and to any others that God may bring across our path. (coughs) Today, then, I want to talk about Jochebed, a woman with high standards who was also a remarkable mother. Jochebed, you all know who she was, don't you? Yeah, well, if you don't, I think you're in good company, so don't worry about it. You're probably more familiar with her famous children, and you'll certainly recognise her story when we get to it. Jochebed was a mother whose actions contributed to the salvation of her nation. We'll meet three women in this story whose actions had far-reaching consequences for God's people. Jochebed's name means honour of God or Yahweh, Jehovah, is glory. (coughs) She's the first person in the Bible to have a name with the divine element in it, with God's name as part of hers. And she certainly lived up to her name to bring glory to God. The Bible tells us little about Jochebed, but she, as I say, had three remarkable children who were among the greatest leaders in Israel's history. She was the wife of Amram, we read that in Numbers, and he was a Levite, and he lived for 137 years. And so she married a godly man, and based on how their children turned out, we can assume that she and Amram and Jochebed were both a godly couple. Although little is said about this woman's life, the Bible still gives us lots of relevant information about her family and her faith in God. And for instance, the role she played in the Exodus was crucial. She had a clever plan to save her child, and re- which resulted in saving Israel's future leader. So if you haven't guessed yet who she is, let's turn to Exodus chapter 2. And she's not mentioned by name in this passage, but her name tops up elsewhere in Exodus and in Numbers. But you will all know the events that we're going to read about. So Exodus chapter 2 and the first ten verses. About this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of the powerless reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance, watching to see what would happen. 
Soon, Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying. Babies do that sometimes, don't they? And she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find a nurse from one of the Hebrew women to look after the baby for you? She asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. So there you are. Famous Moses had a mother called Jochebed. And you'll remember the background to the story. The children of Israel were all in Egypt and they had grown so many in number that the Egyptians and Pharaoh were getting rather worried. And so Pharaoh had told the midwives to kill all the baby boys and they refused. So then he gave the order to throw all these baby boys into the Nile River to drown them. That was the situation Jochebed was in. So why did she decide to hide this particular child? We read that when Moses was born, his parents saw that the child was beautiful. Not an ordinary child, it says in some versions. The Hebrew word for fine is tovei, meaning good, beautiful. It's a very similar word to that which is used in the creation account. When God looked and saw that what he'd created was very good. Moses was tove, beautiful, fine, not ordinary. And so this word conveys the possibility that Jochebed sensed something special about her new baby boy. Did she perhaps imagine that God might use him to fulfill those promises that he had made to their ancestors? Maybe the Holy Spirit prompted her as she gazed on this fine baby. Now, can you imagine trying to hide a newborn baby, trying to keep him quiet for long periods? Must have been very challenging. What strong faith this woman had, but also what courage. Hebrews tells us that it was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. Their faith was strong enough to override any natural fear they may have had. Here there's an occasion when God's direction involved disobeying the authorities who ruled over them. If Jochebed had been found out, Pharaoh's men would have taken the baby and killed him. 
Perhaps she too would have lost her life. Her actions could potentially have affected her whole family, her husband, her two other children, Miriam and Erlen, who was about three years old. So the choice to hide this baby put the whole family at risk. Now philosophers could have long discussions about putting the needs of the few over the needs of the many. But Jochebed only knew that she had a small, helpless baby to protect. And she trusted God to look after all those that she held dear. But then there came that day when she knew she wasn't going to be able to hide that baby any longer. She had to let him go. She'd hidden him for three months. And then she makes this basket of bulrushes daubed with bitumen and pitch, very like Noah's Ark, very similar idea. And she put the baby into it and she placed it in the reeds on the river bank. Now we aren't told how she learnt to build a basket, but it was obviously a skill she knew. We aren't told how she learnt to make it watertight, but the river, of course, featured in their culture. So it's perhaps not strange that this skill was also understood. But the important thing is she drew on her experience and used the skills she had to accomplish the desired end. She did what she was able to do. It's just like when King David, or young David as he was, used a sling instead of Saul's enormous armour to slay Goliath. She used what she knew for the situation, and God spoke through the voice of practical skill and experience. Imagine the risk of putting this vulnerable baby in a mighty river, even at the edge among the reeds. Who knew what dangerous animals might be lurking? Never mind the two-legged ones. Who would have thought that Jochebed would have come up with this clever plan? We can only assume that God put this creative solution in her heart as part of her pl- his plan. And I just ima- wonder what she imagined was going to happen next. Was she banking on events unfolding as they did? Or was she just following God one step at a time? <clears throat> one Jewish commentator suggests two reasons for placing Moses in the Nile. One, that if her son was meant to die, then at the very least she wouldn't be there to witness that unbearably painful scene. If you remember, Hagar did a similar thing earlier in Genesis when she left her son Ishmael under one of the bushes and sat at a distance, for she said, let me not see the child's death. But maybe Miriam, who we later learn has prophetic gifts, maybe she prophetically told her mother that this was the right thing to do. We don't know. We just know what she did. The Talmud, the Jewish writings on the Old Testament, explains that Pharaoh originally decreed that Jewish boys should be thrown into the river because his astrologers had predicted that water would be a catalyst for the downfall of the saviour of the Jews. Based on this, Jewish teachers explain that Moses' mother hoped that as soon as Moses was placed in the water, the astrologers would see that the saviour of the Jews had already been cast into the water. 
and the decree against the Jewish boys would be annulled and she would be free to bring her child back home. Whatever her reasoning, we have an insight, don't we, into her faith and trust in the Lord's salvation. So Jochebed isn't your ordinary know-it-all mum who bears all the burdens in the household herself. In fact, we learn that after creating this little basket for Moses, she delegated the next important task to her young daughter, Miriam. She asked her to stand at the distance to watch what would happen next. So Miriam did as she was told, and when she found her baby brother in the arms of Pharaoh's daughter, she ran to the princess and suggested she could find a Hebrew nurse for her. What a beautiful picture. It shows us how intelligent Jochebed was. By sending young Miriam to watch over her baby brother, she eliminated the risk of Moses' escape plan being discovered. It's probable that Pharaoh's daughter came to the Nile not to wash, but because the Egyptians considered the river sacred, and so this was a ceremonial bathe. Perhaps that's one reason why she didn't just get rid of the baby again. But through God's intervention, Pharaoh's daughter found the basket that cradled Moses. When she saw this, Miriam, as we saw, ran to the princess, asked if she needed a nurse for the child. Just stop and think about that. That must have taken considerable courage for a member of the slave population to presume to speak to Pharaoh's daughter. Imagine if it was you, perhaps a youngish girl, seeing Princess Anne. Would you have the courage to run up to her and make a suggestion to her? Even more so in that sort of situation where you're part of the enslaved nation. And how observant and resourceful Miriam was. She noticed how Pharaoh's daughter's face had changed when she looked at that baby. She realised that behind the royal countenance there was a compassionate heart. And then she had the audacity to suggest that the baby's own mother should come and nurse him. So here there's another woman who in herself is a minor miracle. This princess, from the very centre of a genocidal royal family, perhaps she's quite a young woman herself, a precious, tender-hearted princess. Her father could apparently, without pity, consign sons to the Nile and daughters to slavery. But his own daughter seems not to have inherited his cruel personality. The Bible says, so the girl went and called the child's mother and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me and I will give you your wages. Imagine nursing your child and getting paid for it. That would be nice, wouldn't it, Colleen? (laughs) Getting paid for doing so when there was no social security and child benefit and maternity leave. So Jochebed was doing quite well. So in this way, she hit many birds with one stone, as we would say. Firstly, her child was spared. Secondly, she was privileged to be able to care for him and rear him in his formative years. And thirdly, she received some additional income to provide means for her family. Isn't that amazing? She selflessly 
let go of of her child for his sake. The selfless act of a mother. And we sometimes read of parents who give up their children to a well-off family so that they'll have a better chance in life. And here a similar situation is occurring. Jochebed willingly gave up her rights as a mother to Moses. We don't know how old he was when she then comes and brings him back to Pharaoh's daughter. We can't, we don't know what she must have been thinking, but perhaps we can imagine what she must have thought, how she must have felt when the time came to give him back to Pharaoh's daughter. When the child grew up, she brought him and he became Pharaoh's daughter's son. We can only surmise that she was able to do this because of her love for her son, whom she had already surrendered to the Lord. So the Egyptian princess named the boy Moses. In Hebrew, Moses means to draw out, but the name may also be related to the Egyptian word, the common word for son, mes. So here we see a prophetic foreshadowing, both of God drawing Israel as his son out of Egypt, and of course many years later when his son Jesus also returned, was drawn out of Egypt. The prophet Hosea writes, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. Moses was the one who in God's providence made this literally happen. Giving her parental rights to Pharaoh's daughter was a smart move because it allowed Jochebed's son to have the highest civil and military training. Moses didn't suffer the life of a slave Instead, he was treated as a prince in Israel, in Egypt, sorry. Finally, then, we see that as a loving mother, Jochebed managed to bring her children up in the ways of the Lord. Of course, we know it doesn't always work out this way. Many children of Christian parents reject God's ways, at least for the time, and go off in a totally different direction. However, In this case, Jochebed's children, Miriam, Aaron and Moses, became significant figures in Israel's history, each in their own way. Moses, of course, led the people of Israel out of bondage. He served the Israelites until his death as a prophet. He wrote the first five books in the Bible, and some scholars would claim he wrote down the book of Job as well. On the other hand, of course, from Aaron's family came the line of high priests who would later serve in the tabernacle and later still the temple. He and his children bore the highest responsibility in the sanctuary services, in the worship of Israel in all the days to come. And then Miriam too held a position of leadership as a prophetess. So clearly, Jochebed's parenting must have influenced them to be God-fearing men and women. And Jochebed, of course, is only one of many mothers who are considered wise because she fears the Lord. Proverbs 31.30 says, Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last. But a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. She was wise because she trusted in the Lord. 
She learned to let go and let God. She was the epitome of God's servant who stood still and let God move. So Jochebed was an example of a loving, caring mother who was prepared to put the best interest of her child first, even when that meant giving the child into the care of someone else. She was resourceful and courageous, not afraid to step out in faith in the face of what may have seemed and was a very dark situation. So as mothers, fathers, or just individual believers, do we have Jochebed's faith and loving care for God's children of any age? Proverbs 31 goes on to speak about a wife of noble character being worth far more than rubies. But I'm sure this verse and the rest of that chapter could also be applied to good, God-fearing mothers. So on this Mothering Sunday, let's thank our Heavenly Father for all mothers who fear the Lord and for the work that Jochebed did to preserve Moses' life so he could be such an inspiration to the people of Israel. Amen. Amen.